Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium Podcast, episode 75. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Keith Williams. Every week, I bring you stories from professionals in the skilled trades, business owners, educators, people giving real-world advice. We don't run any ads on this podcast, so if you found value, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I am going to talk about a high school that is partnering with local businesses to help prepare students for careers in the skilled trades. This is really important because a lot of high schools have moved away from promoting the trades and providing education and training. And this school is a little unique in that they are doing the exact opposite of the trend that we're seeing in a lot of high schools. So I'm really excited. My guest today grew up in Northern Indiana. By profession, he's a carpenter by trade. That's his profession. And he's an educator for the Garrett Kiesler Butler School. And that's in Garrett, Indiana. He has a passion for helping students. He empathizes with them and he sees things through their eyes. He's very proud of his school winning the 2020 Harbor Freight Tools Award, which is a really big deal because out of 800 schools, only 15 schools are selected nationally. So they've definitely done something right over there. During his free time, he likes football. He likes to barbecue on his smoker, which means he makes really good food. Please welcome to the Skill Stadium podcast. Chad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Keith. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Chad, you know, I heard that you played football in college. I did. I played football at the University of Indianapolis. Excellent. What position did you play? I was an offensive guard. Oh, you're a big guy. <laughs> yep. Definitely. And the smokers, this barbecuing that you're doing, is this something that you've just been doing for years? Is it something that you picked up, you learned through YouTube or just through trial and error? I'd say just the last couple of years, probably two or three years and a lot of trial and error, but it's fun making mistakes and then trying to trying to make it better next time. Yeah. I bet you have a lot of friends coming over now as you're getting better at your skill set. Oh, yeah. Anytime I think you can cook, people are going to be coming around. That's right. So, Chad, you attended college, and then you started working as a carpenter, and now you're an educator. That's not a typical career path that we see of carpenters. Can you please share how and why you decided to become a carpenter after college? Yeah, I tell my students this path all the time because I think your path is really important. And I think a lot of students discount what they have done you know, as a profession or as a way to provide income. And I think they forget how to tie it all together. I went to college for one reason, and that's to play football and to be a teacher. I'll admit that. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. You know, tried several different majors that didn't work out. When I finally settled on education, realized that's what I wanted to do. I like to teach kids. But, you know, in the summers, I'd come home and I'd keep working concrete, you know, pouring concrete for somebody or you know, I stayed in the construction business in the summer. Never really thought that that was where I was going to end up. When I got out of college, there was not as many teaching jobs available back then as there are now. And so I started actually working for a lumber company and I learned the construction business through them and then moved on to as a carpenter and owned my own business and 
We built residential homes and remodeled and light commercial for quite a while. I thought it was interesting when I finally got into education, I still worked with those same people that I met back when I got out of college and when I was working in the summers in construction. You know, they were still a bridge that I never burnt. And they were people that helped me in our program here at Garrett get to where it is. And it goes back to building those relationships back when I was young. And I tell kids a lot, don't burn a bridge, you know, be honest with people. If you're going to leave that job or whatever it might be, just be honest. And it's going to come back around and it can help you in the future. I thought, I think it's really interesting to think about your path. I agree. hundred percent. I think most of the best opportunities people get are based on relationships because I think on deciding on hiring somebody, trust is probably one of the most important factors. Sure. And so... Those relationships that you built obviously were a benefit for you years later. Can you tell us, you know, students, they have multiple careers in their life. And as someone who's changed careers, what advice could you give for students who are, you know, who go down a path? Because let's face it, people are going to do more than one career in their lifetime. And there's nothing wrong with changing careers. But what advice would you give to students or anybody wishing to change careers? You know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, don't burn any bridges. Keep those relationships available. But learn from those experiences because, you know, I know my background, it's all really tied together to the same industry, but it's not doing the same thing. When I look back at my career, I've only had a few jobs, you know, I'm 50 some years old now, but they've all been in the industry and they all kind of relate. I think you can pull from everything that you've done in life. And some people call that a skill, a transferable skill that you can use in every part of an industry that you're involved in. I think that's really important. Yeah. I also think, you know, there's skill sets and character traits that are transferable that ensure that you're successful in whatever it is that you do. You know, I've talked to a lot of business owners in the skill trades. And one of the first things they tell me, and I mentioned it earlier, is trust. They've got to trust the people they're hiring. You know, they want to know that if you're coming in, you're going to come in on time and you're going to come in ready to work. And it seems like such common sense, but a lot of them have said, no, we don't always get that from people. And like you said, you mentioned how it's important if students are going to leave a job that they do it properly and they don't burn those bridges. Right. So very important. I like to tell our kids that, you know, if you're a good welder and the reason you're a good welder is because you work hard and you, you understand the process, you become a problem solver. You could get a job as a carpenter as well, like because you have those skills. Somebody could train you to do another job because of that skill set that you have. I think it's important that kids realize that. Yeah. I have kids and my kids play sports. My son's in plays baseball and basketball. And when you talk to the coaches, they want to know, is the kid coachable? That starts to become more important as they start getting older and rising into, well, you play college sports, so I'm sure you can understand, you know, sure. they want to know, are you coachable? It's not very different, I'm sure, from the workforce. You know, they want to know that if you're somebody who's open to learning and willing to learn, people can work with you. Like you said, if you have those skills as a welder, they can train you to be a carpenter, but you have to be open to learning and willing to learn and be coachable, I would imagine. I agree, 100%. Yeah. So, Chad, you know, it's common knowledge that high schools and parents have been pushing their kids to go to college, you know, take that path. And I believe it's changing a bit. What are you seeing in the schools with regards to that? I think the tide is definitely turning a little bit, but there's still a perception out there that has to be changed. You know, this whole thing that we're all up against with not enough skilled 
labor to go around in the country. I don't think it really has anything to do with the training programs that we have. I think they're all good. I think people can learn to do these trades, but I think it, you just have to keep going backwards and start at the very beginning. And if we don't increase the pool of people that we have that are involved in these things, nothing's ever going to change. And I think the way that we increase the pool, you know, the number of students involved is to educate them and their parents and our community about these jobs and these trades that they're not dead end jobs. They're amazing careers. And these people are professionals that can, you know, work their way up from the ground level all the way up to, you know, blue collar managing multi-million dollar businesses and, you know, huge job sites. And I mean, it is it has so many different ways you can advance in it. And it's no different than any other, you know, if I want to be an accountant or a marketing major or whatever, you know, we push kids to do because they're academic. These careers are just as viable. And I think it's important that we get these professionals in here to show these students and change that perception, you know, and a lot of parents will say, well, I don't want my kid to, you know, to be in the mud and muck his whole life. I want something better for him. I want, I don't want my kid to be in the manufacturing facility sweating, but it's a starting point for everybody. You and I both know, we look around our communities and we can see the entrepreneurs and the people that started businesses and, you know, are managing huge businesses. They all started this way and look at where it's, it's taken them. And I think they would tell you right now that a four-year degree, it's great. I mean, I have one, I'm proud of it, but it's not the only formula for success by any means. And I think that's a perception that we have to change. I also think, Chad, I agree with you 100% on that. I also think that it's just, as you said, letting parents know, here are some career options. There are construction jobs where you're working in an office, in project management jobs in the construction industry. Also, I know in plumbing and electric and some of these HVAC companies, when workers get older and they've worked a longer time, now they go into leadership positions. Right. Now they're actually training the next generation of plumbers and electricians. They also end up owning businesses and they do pretty well. They make some good money. I've, I see what they're paying people. And I see the fact that a lot of these companies are offering like a $5,000 bonus for somebody to recommend a plumber. Yeah. You know, you can't outsource plumbing. You can't. Nope. And those companies, they're the foundations of our community. If you look around any, any community, they're the ones that are making it happen. It's, it's huge. I'd also say if you look at infrastructure in our country, it requires construction. Absolutely. It drives the economy. If you don't have these, if you didn't have enough construction workers, plumbers, electricians, it could tank. the. You think about what we need them for. It could tank the economy. I mean, if we didn't, it's serious enough that people are talking about it. So, and the salaries keep going up for these folks. I keep seeing bonuses and people making, you know, really good wages. I mean, some of these young people who are skilled trades are comparable to people who are just coming out of college. Oh, or even further ahead. Yeah. I have a student that will be a fourth year apprentice for a major industrial mechanical contractor. He'll be a fourth year apprentice. And when he becomes a journeyman, he'll make more than every teacher in this building. I believe it. In year five. Yep. I believe it. And he'll be very, he'll still be very young, I might add. Very young, great benefits. Yep. And a skilled individual. So 
I'll tell you an interesting problem I heard from, I, I had a business owner. This was a guy in California. So he owns a plumbing company. And he said, one of the problems he has is that he has young people who they make good salaries. They're making six figures. He goes, but they're spending their money like it's out of control. Because he goes, they're young, so they're making a lot of money. So he said what he wants to do was hire somebody to give these people financial advice. Because you know he could talk to them, but he's their boss. So it's not like it's something they're going to listen to him per se on something right. finance. That's a good problem to have. That's a good problem. And I applaud him for being concerned and wanting to help these young people. Because he said, I wish I could just take a certain amount of money off their salary and just put it aside. But he goes, the way they're spending, like the cars they're driving, this and that. Sure. And it's just a testament to how they're, I mean, do you think about it? If they're in their early twenties and you're making six figures and I don't know, maybe they live at home, maybe they don't have as many expenses. That's, you know, that's a lot of, yeah. a lot of spending. <laughs> it's a lot of spending money, you know. We noticed that with our apprenticeships that when students started working those apprenticeships in the summer, they were bringing home some big paychecks and they didn't know what to do with it. We added a financial literacy aspect to our program. So anybody, they have to complete that before they take that apprenticeship, just so it gives them a little bit of knowledge about, you know, expenses and actually kind of filter that through our English program. It's pretty neat. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. I'm impressed because you don't see schools doing that too often where they're trying to teach financial literacy. That's right. I didn't get it when I was in school. So I didn't either. You know, (laughs) so. You know, I got it. I was blessed to have it from my parents. My dad taught me, but everybody doesn't have that same situation. So it's really good that you guys are doing that. Chad, can you tell us about your welding apprentice program? Because I know it's something you guys just started recently in the school. Yeah. So we're in year three of our welding program. So those the students that started it are seniors now. They started as sophomores. They kind of built our whole facility out when we added that discipline to our program. We got to know, I've always known the Department of Labor head person here in Indiana. His name is John Delgado. He's a huge advocate of youth apprenticeships. Like he really is pushing it. And it's, it's a great thing. And we've always considered doing that. And our apprenticeship, our welding program took on, you know, really built up a lot of steam and we decided to take the next step. We have in Indiana what's called a SEAL. It's called a State Earn and Learn. It's a program that's vetted by the Department of Ed and the career technical offices. And so the next step in that process is a registered apprenticeship. So we got with uh, actually our local workforce board, Northeast Indiana Works, got with us and asked if we wanted to take the next step. And I said yes. And it took about nine months to put it all together and work with the Department of Labor on the details of the apprenticeship. But or we have, it's now official. We have 40 students, 20 juniors and 20 seniors that are registered in a, a well, high school welding apprenticeship, you know, at, here at Garrett High School. There's other youth apprenticeships in, in Indiana. There's not one like this. And we're certainly one of the largest ones as well. When I approached our employer partners, we have a group of employer partners that, that agreed to be a part of this. They were nothing but excited. You know, apprenticeship is a training program. So some of the companies, you know, are considering using our apprenticeship as a training program for their company. And some of the other ones who have apprenticeships, you know, they would take our students uh, if they hired them and they could transition directly into their apprenticeship and get credit for what they've done here. So it's, you know, it's neat for a student to get credit for everything they've done to help take them to a different level in that apprenticeship in the workplace. The related instruction, the coursework, 
is tied together with our local community college, Ivy Tech uh, of Fort Wayne. So the kids get college credit, they get a structural welding certificate, OSHA coursework, and then the competencies, the actual welding competencies, those come from the employer when they start working on the job. So it takes about it'll take them about three years to get that done, get after it. But it's pretty neat that they get to start that here in high school. Also, it'll be interesting to see. I bet when they go into those jobs, they are so much more prepared because if they've been doing this in school for two to three years. Absolutely. You, know, you think about somebody who just starts that job from the outside who just walks in. They have zero experience. These students have two to three years experience. They're going to hit the ground running, I would imagine. I agree. And they are. There's some right now that the seniors are doing some internships and pre-apprenticeships at different places. And we get lots of good reports from these young people out there and doing their thing. So it's pretty neat. Hey, are the companies giving you guys feedback on program in terms of what you're teaching them and what adjustments you might want to make as you're teaching them that are more related to help them when they get into the companies? Yeah, we do ask that a lot. I've kind of resisted to become really specific in training just because I think it would narrow our amount of employer partners we could work with. Sure. So we keep it kind of general, but yet specific enough in each discipline. Like they will beginning thick MIG and TIG welding. And then there's also advanced classes after that. And they actually take AWS certifications before they get out. So they'll have them under their belt. And probably the big thing that we miss at this level is the actual fabrication or the hands-on work the students might do in a facility. That's stuff that we're trying to grow as we continue to to move on in our years to get those experiences to the kids. But the employers have really given us great feedback with, you know, the kids come to them with a the love to weld, you know, that creating that passion is part of what we want to do. You know, we always talk about kids, talk to kids about what they love to do to develop a skill and then we'll match you with an employer to help you with that income. Like, don't pick something because you want to make money at it. Like, you know, pick something because you love to do it because you're going to want to, you have to love that to get up and do it every day. That's if, true. if you don't, you won't do it. You just won't. You'll find ways to get out of work and, and so forth. So they can tell that we work pretty hard on that. I think that's one of the difference makers as well. Agree. Also, when you're young, you don't really need the money as much at that point in your life. You oh, just you don't. <laughs> I'm sure you can remember. I know when I got out of college, I was broke. And you know, I'm sure none of us were rich when we got out of college and we were young. And I'm sure you know we found a way to survive. So they're better off doing what they enjoy. And they're still making a good wage too, I might add. Speaking of which, what what is a range of income students might make? Again, it doesn't have to be exact, but what type of income are they making? Yeah, I would say most of our students are in somewhere in between that $15 and $20 an hour range for those pre-apprenticeships and internships. Good money. That's very oh, good. No complaints. Start. Yeah, definitely a great start. Can you share three resources, you know, for anybody who's interested in welding or carpentry? What are three resources, whether it's a website or a YouTube channel that they could check out? Yeah, byf.org. Is a really good website from NCCER. NCCER is the National Center for Construction Education and Research, and they that's our curriculum provider. They do a great job of support for the kids. They offer a lot of information about different careers and how to go about starting those and, and what to look for. 
NCCR is also a great website to go to as well. And they have curriculum that is, you know, that has it's stackable credentials that you can, once you complete it and it, you just keep stacking it, you can take it wherever you want. You know, you can go from Indiana to Alaska and pull your card out and, you know, use the same credentials there. So that's pretty nice. And then AWS.org is the American Welding Society. And they have a lot of great information too, to jump into that career. You know, one of the other programs I I didn't mention earlier was our heavy highway program. We're we don't have one of the few schools in the country that has a heavy highway program, and it basically more defined as horizontal construction, anything flat. Okay, and we're working with those contractors as well. And NCCR is a great uh, website as well for that content. So you mentioned infrastructure a while ago, and that made me think of that. That needs some do as well. well I agree, hundred percent. You know, you you think about our roads. There's always construction going on. There's always a need for that. The other thing too, I, I'm sure you're seeing this. A lot of the workers are getting older, so they're retiring. Oh yeah. So I was at a workforce development committee committee meeting in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and to hear the numbers from the contractors of what they're going to be down in the next ten years is staggering. It's staggering. Like they don't know where it's going to come from. So these opportunities are real. We got to take advantage of it. Definitely. I mean, it's one of the big reasons why. I do the podcast that I do in the day in the life interviews. I've been personally affected. You know, when I call for a plumber, it takes longer. I've noticed that now. It's taking longer for, you know, it used to be we can get somebody out right away. Now it's like, oh, we're about nine, 10 days. You know, I don't realize how people are not seeing that. And I'm not saying that I call for a plumber every day, but, you know, I, I'm a homeowner and, and electrical. I don't mess with, I'll try, you know. I'll try plumbing myself a little bit for things, but electrical, I don't touch that, you know? And I sure. think that's most homeowners. I, I get some people are handy, but most people are not going to mess with electrical other than really to flip the uh, the breaker circuits. But if you have to go in there and start opening things up and wire. Yeah, it bites you, that's for sure. Yeah. And I don't think there's a YouTube channel that can, that can help, that can teach me how to do, fix the electrical in my home. So again, I feel like there's definitely a need for it. Also, you know, I know that you're pretty active on LinkedIn because I see you on LinkedIn. What's your take on students using video to create an online presence? Because, you know, if we're building a career, it's not just about that first job. It's continuing to learn and continuing to pursue initial yeah. opportunities. But I know you're on LinkedIn. I know you're active. So I'm curious about your view on them using video. Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of social media and videos as far as our program goes, and simply because I believe collaboration is vital. Like we have to share with each other, you know, workforce development is never going to happen unless industry is involved and you have to take all of that together and just share with everybody. And that's why I do that so that other people can get ideas so we can help each other. Nothing should be private as far as that goes. I, th I like your take on the video with students. You know, that's becoming a pretty prevalent part of the interview process in today's age. There's a lot of places that will ask you to make a, a three-minute video to talk about yourself and the skills that you have. And I thought that's interesting in some interviews I've been in to be able to see that. So I think it's a good opportunity for kids to build a resume. It's exactly what it can be is a resume. You know, one reason I like it, Chad, is that if I'm not as experienced and my paper resume mm -hmm. doesn't get me in the door, then me say talking about who I am, the hard work I'm going to do, what I'm learning, it transcends the paper. Yep. It just, it brings the applicant to life. 
because companies don't hire paper. They don't hire resumes. They hire people. Sure. You know, and so I feel like with the video, if I see a young person, who's, first of all, I see a young person who's done a video, I can see them talk and see their passion or their interest. Yeah. And I see that, hey, this person's made an effort. You know what? They don't have a long resume, but they're saying they're willing to work hard. I'll bring that person in and talk to them. Then if they just sent me a paper resume with little experience, which most young people don't have. Yep. I agree. That's why I feel like video is a game changer for them. I think, I feel like it gives them an advantage because like I said, people hire people. Sure. I also know that, you know, you and I, you know, we grew up at a time where we didn't grow up with social media. And I believe that our generation has an appreciation for technology and social media because, you know, what, I'll give an example, when I wanted to buy music, I had to run down to the record store. Right. I mean, I'm dating myself, but, you know, now you just download it on your phone. I want to make a phone. I had to go find a pay phone, right? You know, there was no social media. You know, I had to look up in the yellow pages. I can appreciate the ability to get all this information. I had to memorize phone numbers. You know, we don't have to do that anymore. How has social media with all of this, how has social media from your perspective impacted you? Oh my goodness. It's huge. When I stop to think about it, I don't, I take it for granted. I have great relationships with people in Florida, people in Alabama, with people in Alaska. I talked to two educators from Alaska the other day. New Mexico, I met somebody online, you know, and talked about our program in California. I mean, social media has, it's brought us all together, you know, if it's, and when it's used in the right way, it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing mm -hmm. tool for collaboration. It's changed what we do. It's changed how we, we go about things. You know, we, philanthropic world is huge for us to help us, you know, keep things going and to be able to put that out there. It's just big. I don't know how. I don't know how we would have done that 30 years ago. I agree. I 100%. <laughs> I do not. Yep. <laughs> I'll tell you, we're on a podcast today because of that. And yeah. I, I did, one of the things I enjoy doing is I, back in the day when I first graduated, I graduated college in like 94, in the mid nineties. And I remember volunteering at the YMCA and volunteering in schools. I remember doing junior achievement and you'd have to go into the schools and you'd work with kids. It'd be like for a week with your company or the uh, YMCA, you'd go on Friday nights, you'd work with kids. Recently during COVID, I was doing virtual career days with the local high schools. Yeah. So I was able to get on, like, I think it was a, their webinar or something. And I'm able to talk about the skill trades. And one of the reasons why I do this is I share these podcasts. When I do these career days, I tell them, here's a podcast, go check it out. I share the day in the life interviews, because I feel like for young people, the best way is to learn if you want to learn about profession, learn from somebody who's in it or learn from an educator who will tell you, okay, here's yeah. what you need to do. And so I think it just gives different perspectives because the educator gives a different perspective from the business owner. The person actually doing the work gives a different perspective from those other two groups. And I've also interviewed people who are in professional associations. So the technology is just amazing. It's the reach for me that I really enjoy and appreciate. It's the ability, like you're saying, to talk to people all over the country. Sure. I agree. I agree with something. Yeah. No, I just, I didn't grow up with that. So I think we both, you know, we both uh, have a strong appreciation for it. Chad, we're going to wrap up. Please share one life lesson you've learned that you think can help students. And definitely. I go back to building relationships. Like don't, don't burn bridges, man. Don't do it. Do everything the right way. You know, if you leave a job, leave it the right way, interview, do it the right way, get advice, 
and just keep building on all those experiences you've had because they will all come into play. I thought it was funny. I tell my kids that when I was in college, I wanted to be a marketing major. And I thought, well, that's dumb. I don't know anything. I didn't like it. So I went to communications. Well, I was terrible at that. And then I went to business management. Nope, don't like that either. Now I'm doing all of those. You know, yes, I'm doing all of those and yeah. after being a contractor. And it's just amazing our paths and what will happen. And I think every experience we have is important and vital. It's going to teach you something. Great advice, Chad. Chad, thank you so much for being a guest. Chad, please share how people could find your org at your school or contact you. Yeah. So our website is www.gkb is our school website and then slash career development. And that'll take you right to our program. And you can get to our email that way as well. My school email is csutton at gkb.k12.in.us. Chad, thank you so much for your time. Continued success with the program. Let's definitely stay in touch. And I'm so grateful for your time today. Sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.